nothing like a touchdown. This felt like an easy six. Defense is retreating quick. No, I got that cannon on me and receivers on a whim. Welcome, pressure was a bliss. Not afraid to take the risk. Swear to God, I hate to lose but winning is my What's up? What's up? What's up? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Drop Balls Podcast, your favorite podcaster's favorite sports podcast. Yes, you heard me right. I said your favorite podcaster's favorite sports podcast. Hope you all are having a good week so far. Hope you all have had a wonderful start to your new year, to your 2023. We are in February, so the year, you know, the year is just going on. Hope you all are keeping up with your New Year's resolutions um, and keep up with them throughout the rest of the year. Keep persevering through them and, and, and getting through the rest of the year with those New Year resolutions. So that way, 2024, you start a whole new year with some new goals um, that can build off of the goals that you set for 2023. So hope you all are, you know, continue to get through that and continue to just to to grow and, and have an amazing 2023. We got a lot to talk about today. The Super Bowl is set. The Colts still haven't hired a head coach. Um, Kyrie Irving traded to the, the Dallas Mavericks. We got a lot to talk about. But before we get into that, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. If you all are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please be sure to go leave your boy a five-star rating. And yes, Spotify does have a rating section now, or I guess a way to rate the podcast. So please go ahead and leave your boy a five-star rating on both of those platforms. And even on Apple Podcasts, leave your boy a comment. Let me know what you like about the podcast, what you want to hear more of, or what you would just like to, to see new on the podcast as well. And no matter what podcast platform you're listening on, please be sure to share this podcast with your friends, your family, your loved ones, your coworkers, your your social media, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Just share the podcast for your boy. Please share the podcast for your boy. So that way we can get more ears on the podcast and, you know, get this podcast up the charts. Um, Just anybody that you know that loves sports just as much as just as much as you and I do, because obviously you love sports because you're listening to me, and I love sports because I'm talking about it. So anybody you know that just loves sports just as much as you and I do, just please be sure to share the podcast. Please be sure to share the podcast with them as well. But let's get into this episode, man. Like I said, the Super Bowl is set. We got the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Both of them were 14-3 and in the regular season. And both of them won their conferences. Well, of course, they won their conferences, but they were the number one seeds in their conferences. They had the first round bye, and they only played two games in the playoffs. So together, they're both 16 and three going into this this championship game, of course. And, you know, the Chiefs did it in in crazy fashion against the Cincinnati Bengals where Patrick Mahomes finally overcame the Cincinnati Bengals. I believe he was 0-3 versus the Bengals, and now he's 1-3 versus the Bengals. And I'm not going to say he. The team is 1-3 versus the Bengals. Um, but they, they did it in the biggest game on the biggest stage to make it to the, to the, to the Super Bowl. And that, that was a big feat for them. And Patrick Mahomes did it on a hobbled ankle. He he was hobbled, you know, high ankle sprain that he he messed up his ankle against the uh, I want to say the Jaguars. He messed up his ankle against them. But they went out there and they did their thing. They did what they needed to do. He lost a lot of his receivers. He lost MV, or not MVS. He lost Juju. He lost uh, McCall Hardman, and I want to say uh, Kadarius Tony against the against the Bengals. So he was out there throwing to MVS, who had a really good game, an amazing game, and to Travis Kelsey and then a rest of the rest of them were Uber drivers. 
So <laughs> the fact that they were able to overcome and still win that game against the Cincinnati Bengals, especially a Bengals team that everybody counted out at the beginning of the season because they just started off really slow. Everybody counted them out, and the Bengals were right back there in the AFC Championship. So that just lets you know how good the Cincinnati Bengals were. And for Kansas City to overcome that, overcome what they what they had to overcome and win that game to make it to the biggest stage of the NFL season is, you know, hats off to Kansas City for that. Philadelphia Eagles, man, they went out there and did their thing against the 49ers. And unfortunately, Brock Purdy got hurt. He tore his UCL um, in that game where I, I believe it was Hassan Reddick that sacked him and his arm just went back very funky. And, um, and he got hurt and he couldn't throw the ball. We saw that when he came back in after Josh Johnson came in and then got a concussion. We saw that, you know, Brock Purdy just didn't throw the ball. And really, Philly didn't have to really do much. Their defense, their defense got out to the quarterback. And when you're playing with a rookie, Mr. Irrelevant, and then you're playing with Josh Johnson, who's been on like half the teams in the NFL, and he's your fifth string quarterback um, or fourth string quarterback. You know, that makes it easier for the Eagles. And I'm not saying they had an easy path. I'm just saying that makes it easier for your team to do what they need to do to win the game. And Philly went out there and did that. I mean, they capitalized on on mistakes. They capitalized on the 49ers not having a quarterback. And they did what they needed to do to win the game. And shout out to the Philadelphia Eagles. They went all in this year. They went all in. They signed a bunch of free agents. Um, they made some trades to get some vets in the room. And they went all in, and, it, and it's paid off because they made it to the big stage. Nick Sirianni, shout out to him, former Colts offensive coordinator. Things ain't been the same since you left, Nick. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, they did what they needed to do. They got to the biggest game, and now we have the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think this is going to be a good game. I, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people expect it to be, and I don't think it's going to be a blowout either way. Now, Philly's team is really good. They're really good offensively, really good defensively, especially on that defensive line and that offensive line. I believe they have probably one of the best offensive lines in the league, and they have like over, they had over seventy sacks in the re, or seventy sacks in the regular season altogether. I think they're somewhere around like seventy eight sacks right now with the postseason and the regular season. So we know that they can get after the quarterback. And I think that's one of the biggest things for the Kansas City Chiefs where they're going to have to make sure they keep Patrick Mahomes upright. Now, I know he's hobbled. His ankle is probably better this week than it was last week and the week before. But they're going to have to find a way to keep him upright and keep that pass rush off of him. So that way he can deliver the ball to his receivers, to his, to his tight end, Travis Kelsey. Um, oh, and that's another thing. We got Travis Kelsey versus Jason Kelsey, brother versus brother. Um, so, you know, that's going to be legit. But... Um, yeah, Kansas City, they got to find a way to keep Patrick Mahomes upright. They have to. Um, you you just you can't afford to let them just tee off on your quarterback. Especially, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is special. We all know Mahomes is special. He can evade pressure. He can he can do a lot of different things that we really haven't seen another quarterback be able to do. Um, and and it's great to see that. But if you don't have any protection, it's going to be hard to do those things. We saw him in the Super Bowl against uh, Tampa Bay where his protection was terrible, and we saw how he struggled. Yes, he made some crazy throws, some especially the one when he was parallel to the ground and just threw the ball downfield, like 30 yards downfield, but we saw like he was running for his life. And, I mean, while he – hopefully he doesn't have to do that this game because, once again, that ankle, man, that's, that's what concerns me about Patrick Mahomes is, is that ankle. Like I said, he'll be better this year – or this week than he was the previous two weeks or whatever, but – you know, that, that high ankle sprain don't go away that quick. It just doesn't go away. 
So he'll probably be he'll be feeling a lot better this week, but there's still going to be some there still might be some pain there, especially when he does certain things. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens on Sunday. But there's some things outside of them protecting him. There's some things that they need to do on defense as well. So like, let me backtrack. Let me backtrack. Let me backtrack. Let's look at the offensive side, right, for for the Kansas City Chiefs. In order for them to win this game or in order for them to be productive in this game, they got to start fast. They got to protect Patrick Mahomes. And they they got to – they just got to – they got to get things done, man. Like I said, start fast, protect Patrick Mahomes. And I think those those are like two things that off the top of my head that they can do to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, defensively, I have a little bit – I have a little bit more – for them to be able to do to beat the Eagles. And I think part of the part of it is you have to go back and watch that Colts film. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Colts fan, but if you go back and watch the Colts film and see how the Colts were able to slow down that offense and see what they did defensively to slow down that offense, um, then I think that would tell you a lot on what you need to do against the, the Philadelphia Eagles. For If you're the Kansas City Chiefs, what you need to do against the Philadelphia Eagles. And so part of that is, Go back and look how we played the zone read. Look how we played the zone read. You would see how the defensive end, how he crashed. He crashed down to take away that dive from the running back. And then what happened was that the out the backer would replace that defensive end on the line against that offensive tackle. And he would replace that defensive end. And it kind of is to take away for Jalen Hurts keeping the ball and taking off. Because if the defensive end is crashing down, then that leaves a void out there and you have a you have an offensive lineman that's running free to go block the next guy to get back to the secondary. But if you take the linebacker and replace, then he's right there and then that safety can come down and take take Jalen Hurts or if that linebacker gets off the block, he can go ahead and make the tackle or whatever. Um, so that's, that's one of the things. Also, what we did a lot of, we played a lot of one high where we would drop that safety down into the box as well. On the weak side, on the back side, we would drop that safety down into the box so that way it kind of takes away because we played pretty much man or cover three on the outside. We dropped the safety back into zone as well, middle of the field. Then we dropped the safety down into the box to kind of take away the underneath stuff, take away the over routes and stuff like that. So that way, even with the one-on-ones, you don't really get killed. You don't really get killed. So a lot of that, you know, they can take some of that from the Colts and and they can they can run some of that. They can run some of that. So that way they can kind of limit what the Eagles do, take away that zone read that they love so much. They got to slow down that run game because we know the Eagles like to run the ball. You can run the ball with Jalen Hurts. You can run the ball with Kenneth Gainwell. You can run the ball with Miles Sanders. They like to run the ball. And then you have two stud receivers and uh, and Devonta Smith and then um, A.J. Brown, which I'm glad he's out the AFC South. You have two stud receivers that can really get it done on the outside along with Dallas Goddard as the tight end. So you got to be able to take those things away. So that way, well, I mean, that's obvious, right? That's like the obvious. But you got to be able to find ways to take those away or, you know, make somebody else beat you. So like I said, you got to start fast if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. You got to stop, slow down their run game. You got to find a way to stop that zone read. Like I said, you can replace the the defense end, your crashing defensive end with a backer, so that way it takes on that one on one with a tackle. And then your safety comes down, makes the play, whatever. But those are things that the the this, the Kansas City Chiefs need to do to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Drop back, you know, <laughs> cover three, cover one. 
And and I think that takes away a lot of that run. And you force Jalen Hurts to have to beat you with his arm. And you force those receivers that really have to work to get open. You got to win your matchups. You got to win your matchups. Um, now, as far as the Eagles go, in order for them to win this game, you know, you have to run the damn ball. RTDB, run the damn ball. Now, you have a quarterback that has great mobility in Jalen Hurts. You have uh, Miles Sanders. You have Kenneth Gainwell. And the Eagles have had a really nice rushing attack this year, especially because that offensive line gets a great push up front and they're able to get back to the second to the second level and the third level. Um, so I, I think the Eagles really need to run the ball. And also it takes time off the clock and keeps Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. So I think that's a big key to victory for them as well. And we're not going to act like Jalen Hurts is healthy either because we know Jalen Hurts has a, a shoulder issue um, or he has some you know issues going on with his shoulder on his throwing shoulder. So, you know, he's not healthy either. So if he's healthy enough to make some throws down the field, I think that helps them as well. But my biggest thing for them to win this game is to run the damn ball, keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline as, as much as you can, as well as get after Patrick Mahomes. Your defense has to get after Patrick Mahomes. That, Like I said, their, their two strengths on that team is their defensive line and their offensive line. You have an offensive line that's probably the best offensive line in the league, and you have a defensive line that's accumulated like 78 sacks throughout the regular season and postseason. So, and I think they had, what, four defensive linemen that were in double-digit sacks. So you have, you have this opportunity with this offensive line and this defensive line to really win in the trenches. So if they run the ball, keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline, Get after the get after Patrick Mahomes on the defensive side of the ball. I think that gives them a chance to really win this game. Um, and also, you gotta you gotta take away those quick passes. You gotta kind of beat up Travis Kelsey too across the middle. You can't allow him to just get free releases, um, get to his his point in the you know within your zone and sit there and, and and just find a way to get open in those windows. You gotta kind of beat him up when he's coming across the middle um, and beat him up when he's coming off the line because. I know Kansas City will probably move him around a lot because they did that against the Bengals. They moved him around a lot. They put him on the outside. They put him on the inside, lined him up tight end, did all of that. And I think that um, if you beat him up growing up, and, I mean, we know Kelsey, he's great. So, like, limiting Kelsey is <laughs> is easier said than done because it's Travis Kelsey. He's the best tight end in the NFL right now um, and may go down as one of the best tight ends to ever play the game as well. So, you know, to, to limit him, is is easier said than done, but I think you know putting some getting physical with him off the line and across the middle. I think you can kind of take him away and take him out of the game a, a little bit, a little bit more than what teams normally have done. So, like I said, Jalen Hurts uh, use his mobility. Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, they got to run hard. That offensive line has to continue to get pushed like they have all season. And that defensive line has to get out to Patrick Mahomes, and you got to be physical with Travis Kelsey. And for me, those are the keys for them to win this game against the Kansas City Chiefs in Arizona. Um, so those those are my keys on what I think these teams need to do in order to beat each other. Um, let me know what you all think. You know, <laughs> I post this on social media, so y'all can leave comments on. You know, afterwards, letting me know what y'all think the keys to victory should be, um, or if you want to add to what I said, letting me know what you think that the keys. should keys of victory should be as well um just go ahead and add that you know under the comments or whatever whether it's facebook and uh 
Facebook or Twitter. That, those are the two places I posted on. Um, but before we get to the next topic, because there's another thing I want to talk about, uh, you know, football wise. You know, I just talk, I just called Kelsey. I just said Kelsey would probably go down as one of the greatest tight ends to ever put a game. But there's a little, you know, there's another discussion I want to have about about some other things. So before we get to that, let's take a quick music break, and when we come back, we're gonna get into that. So we back from that quick music break. Now let's get into this topic, man. So I said that I said Travis Kelsey will go down as one of the best tight ends to ever play the game. Um, and then we just had Tom Brady, who officially retired this year. Uh, he retired, and many people call him the goat. Um, I don't personally think Tom Brady is the goat. And you know, honestly, at, to this point, now I used to I used to look at team sports and be like, okay. This is the greatest player of all time. This is the best. This is the greatest player to play this game, right? Um, and now that I look at it, because I, I see a lot of people calling Tom great Tom Brady the goat because he has seven rings. He's won more than a lot of franchises have won, or he's won more than any franchise has won, right? Because I think the most is is six right now. But he's won more than any franchise has won. Um, but my thing when it comes to team sports, and this is a question I want to pose to you all. Um, because I, I and this is a genuine question. Can there really be a goat in team sports? And and that's the question I want to pose to you all. 
can there really be a goat in team sports? Because we we accumulate goat to to we accumulate go or not accumulate. Sorry, we we say someone is the goat because how much they've won, or we say someone's the goat because of um because well yeah how many championships they won which is a t- in a team sport that is a team accomplishment especially in a sport like football where there's 53 men on the roster and there's three phases of the game offense defense and special teams and so everything has to pretty much click in order for you to win those championships it's not necessarily on one person now i understand the quarterback has the ball the majority like the quarterback touches the ball the most out of everybody right um so i understand they have they have a big factor in those wins but this goes to, like I said, football is a team sport, just like basketball is. But I feel like with basketball, one player has more impact on winning. So it's easy to kind of quantify that. But with football, because even when you go back and you look at those Super Bowls, right, and a lot of people give Tom Brady credit for those Super Bowls, but they don't talk about those defenses. They don't talk about Ty Law. They don't talk about that first Super Bowl where Brady only threw for 145 yards and one touchdown. He won the Super Bowl MVP, but Ty Law had a pick six. Like, we don't talk about things like that um, where, you know, Tom Brady went to seven Super Bowls, but he only has five Super Bowl MVPs, two of those MVPs. One went to Julian Edelman, which I understand. Tom Brady has to get him the ball. And the other one went to, um, uh, I believe it was Deion Branch is the other person that won the Super Bowl MVP. So when we look at things like that, in 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 two out of those seven Super Bowls, you weren't even the best player or you wasn't even seen as the best player in that Super Bowl. So my thing is, like, how can we how can we quantify GOAT status with championships? I don't think we can do that. I don't think you can quantify saying or I don't think you can say somebody is the GOAT because they've won so many championships. Like, I mean, even in basketball, I understand Bill Russell. He has, what, 12 championships or 11, something like that. Uh, Michael Jordan has six. A lot of people say Michael Jordan is the GOAT. And when and some people say LeBron James is the GOAT. And so when you look at that, when you look at that, how can, you know, some people say, well, LeBron can't be the GOAT because Jordan is 6-0 in the championship. LeBron has lost. Then so when you say that, it's like, OK, well, <laughs> Bill Russell is 11-1 in the championship. He's He's only lost one time after making 12 championship appearances and I believe like 13 seasons. So. And I understand when Bill Russell played, you know, there was like six to 14 teams in the league. Like it wasn't a lot of teams. I get it. But my thing is, like I said, basketball, maybe that's an easier conversation because one player can have a have way more impact on winning. But in football, I don't think one player can really have more impact on winning than the other. I mean, I guess, like, like I said, quarterback, probably because quarterback touches the ball more than anybody else on the field. But at the same time, you need everything else to click in order for you to win those big games, those 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 huge games. You need receivers to catch the ball. You need tight ends to catch the ball. You need your offensive line to block. You need your running back to be able to get yards when you need them or even pass protect. You need your defensive line to be able to get back to the quarterback. You need your corner to shut down the other team's receivers. You need your safeties to come play the to come stop the run or to drop back in coverage and take away things over the middle um, or, you know, on, on the hashes or anything like that. So there's a lot of things that have to go right. You need your punter to be able to 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 pin people back into the coffin. You need <laughs> you need you need your kicker to be able to get good field position after you score 
and keep them on their side of the field. Like, there's so many things that have to go into winning a championship in football that it's hard for me to just say this one person is the reason they won those championships and this is why that individual is the GOAT. I don't, I can't, I can't do that. I, I just can't. So for me, I feel it's harder to to justify there being a GOAT of football rather than a GOAT of basketball. A football football is the ultimate team sport. It's like I said, it's not like basketball, it's not like baseball or any of those things, right? And I mean, maybe even baseball you can look at and see can can there be a GOAT of baseball? Because just because the pitcher does really well, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean the team does well. We've seen, we've seen, uh, what's his name? Um, the pitcher from the Mets that just signed with the with the the Rangers. Um, we've seen he could go out there and have a great, amazing game, and they still lose because the rest of the team can't get any hits. The rest of the team can't do whatever. So, like, th- those are things where I'm like, okay, with football, like I said, with football, ultimate team game, right? Ultimate team sport. I do believe that there can be the best player at certain positions. Like I said, Kelsey would probably go down as the best tight end to ever play the game. But I don't even think Tom Brady is the best quarterback to ever play the game. And this is where, like, yes, I think he is, he may be the best winner, the best winner in the NFL. Like, he has seven championships. He may be the greatest winner at the NFL level. But when you look at, like, players like Alex Smith, where he has one of the best win percentages in, in the regular season, you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, where he has one of the best win percentages as well, but they aren't the reason those teams won those games. Just like I don't think Tom Brady is the full reason why he, he had his hand in it, but I don't think he's the full reason on why they won all of those championships or, um, you know, he, he won all those championships. So, I mean, like I said, he could be the best winner. He, I don't think he's the best quarterback to ever play the game because – and that's another thing. How can you be the GOAT of something if you're not even the best at your position? You're not even the best to ever play at your position. And, I mean, we're watching Patrick Mahomes at this very moment who may go down as the best quarterback to ever play the game. When, when you look at arm talent and everything that he can do with his arm, with his legs, um, everything – like you look at Patrick Mahomes and you're like, damn, he's the best quarter. He's the best quarterback in the league. And he may be the greatest quarterback of all time. You look at quarterbacks like Dan Marino, who was doing things way beyond his years, throwing the hell out of the ball when it was a running league. And we look at what Dan Marino did. We looked at the arm talent of Dan Marino. We look at the arm talent of Aaron Rodgers and, and what he's been able to do, the touchdown to interception ratio. So there's a lot of things that I think. I don't know if I can even call Tom Brady the best at his position. He may be the best winner at his position, but that doesn't mean he's necessarily the best at that position. So that's why I don't really know if Tom Brady's the GOAT, and I don't know if you can really have a GOAT in football. I I really don't. I mean, you have receivers. We know quarterbacks win MVPs all the time. It rarely goes to any other other position. But when you look at it like (laughs) – there's defensive linemen that a lot of people don't pay attention to the defensive line, especially the defensive tackles or offensive linemen and how they dominated at those positions. You can see a receiver dominate. You can see a running back dominate. You can see a quarterback dominate, a corner, a safety. But a lot of people don't look at the trenches and see how certain players dominate those positions. And an argument can be made that probably there's a couple of them that could be named the GOAT, Right. But once again, it's an ultimate team game, and the only person that gets really glorified is the quarterback because they're the one that's touching the ball 
ninety percent of the time on offense. So I don't I can't really I, I think it's I think it's unfair, especially the if if you do have a GOAT, you know, if you do think that there can be a GOAT, I think it's kinda unfair to just say ultimately the quarterback is the GOAT. There there has to be some other factors in there on determining who the GOAT is outside of winning rings. Maybe your impact on the game, which as a football player, you know, there there's a couple quarterbacks whose impact on the game changed the way the game was played at the quarterback position. There's receivers whose impact on the game changed the way the game was played at the wide receiver position. Tight end. There's tight ends before Kelsey. That changed the way the game was played at the tight end position. They elevated the game of football. So can you really have a GOAT in a team sport like football? That's I think that's a genuine question. Let me know what you all think. Let me and I'll probably just ramble way too much, but let me let me know what you all think if you think that there's a GOAT, that there can really be a GOAT of football. I really don't think Tom Brady's the GOAT. I, I really don't. And I'm sorry for those who love Tom Brady. I think he was a really good quarterback. I don't think he's the GOAT, and I don't think he was the best ever to play that position. So for me, it's like like I said, how can you be the GOAT of something if you're not even the best ever to play your position? <laughs> I don't I mean I don't know, man. But but <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. Um we also have the Indianapolis Colts as a topic, man. Y'all know that's my squad. I love the Indianapolis Colts. That's been my team for for you know since '98. And yes, I understand '98. We was three and thirteen, but that's been my squad since then. And right now we're in the midst of trying to figure out who our next head coach is going to be. It's been, I believe, you know, two rounds of interviews, uh, about four weeks <laughs> since the season ended for us, um, and we're still looking for our head coach. You know, we the 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 Panthers hired their head coach. Um, the Broncos have hired their head coach. Uh, you know, other teams have hired who they need to hire. And now we're sitting here, we're sitting here as Colts fans waiting to figure out what's going on. Um, you know, Raheem Morris, uh, Brian Callahan, Shane Steichen, they still say Eric B. Enemy is in the running to to for the head coach, even though he didn't have a second interview. Um, Aaron Glenn, Wink Martindale. Just to name a few that's still in the running for the head coach position for the Colts. I think at this point what they're doing now is because it, it sounds like they're not going to have a third round of interviews, which that was a rumor that was going around last week. But um, it sounds like they're not going to have that now. But I think at this point what they're trying to do is narrow this list down to maybe three or four candidates or candidates. Um, and in my opinion, I believe Raheem Morris, Shane Steichen, Brian Callahan, Callahan, and Eric Bieniemy or maybe in the running for the next head coach position. I think those are the four favorites for the next head coach position. Um one defensive end or one defensive coordinator and two offensive co- or three offensive coordinators. God damn, my math is all wrong right now. Um <laughs> three offensive coordinators. Um and especially with us going into the direction of possibly taking a quarterback at number 4 or trading up to get our quarterback or whatever we're doing. Um I I think I'm not going to say it'll be good to get an offensive-minded head coach because we can get a defensive-minded head coach and he hires an amazing staff on the offensive side of the ball. As we know, the defense wasn't the problem last year for the Colts. And 
Raheem Morris and and uh, I believe they're going to probably keep Gus Bradley on staff as a defensive coordinator because they said about three of the coaches or four of the coaches said they would keep they would like to keep Gus Bradley. That's one less thing you have to hire. And we're not letting Gus Bradley go interview for any other defensive coordinator jobs. So it sounds like Gus Bradley would be our defensive coordinator next year. So the importance of getting the head coach for me is so that way our head coach can go ahead and hire their offensive staff. And it kind of lets us know what direction they're going into, especially when it comes to quarterback. Um, and I, I think that's that's my main reason for us, like, trying to get this thing going, man. Like, figure it out. And I don't know – I'm not really going to say uh, Chris Ballard is, is scared. I think he may be a little gun-shy. He may be just be trying to be really thorough – just because of what happened when we hired Josh McDaniels and then a week or two later, he said, ah, I'm going to stay with the Patriots. So I, I wonder if that's maybe that makes him a little gun shy or maybe that's making him a little more thorough in this coaching search than what happened when we hired, when we ended up hiring Frank Reich because Josh McDaniels backed out. So I don't want to say he's scared. I, I think he just may be a little gun shy. And just be really trying to be really thorough and make sure we get the right person in there for the job. And I, I mean, and I like that, but at the same time, it's like, dude, y'all keeping us in the dark and we trying to figure out what's going on. And I think that's where a lot of the problem is with Colts fans, with the fan base. But I wouldn't be mad with either four of those final candidates. I don't know if those are the final four, but if it was Shane Steichen, who is the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. It's crazy. We go back to the well for the Eagles. That's crazy. But uh, after getting Frank right. But, um, or, or Brian Callahan, who has ties with Peyton Manning. Um, his dad coached at, uh, I believe it was Wisconsin, where Chris Ballard played receiver at. I believe that's where he went. I don't remember. But, um, and then you have Raheem Morris, who has history with Gus Bradley. He has some head coaching experience. Although I know with Tampa Bay, it wasn't that great. But at the same time, he was a very young or a very young head coach. He was 33 years old. He had he had barely been a defensive coordinator. I think he was a defensive coordinator for like a month before he before like, you know, the season ended. And then he became the head coach where they pretty much made him go with a young core on that team and get rid of a lot of the veterans. So, you know, there's a there's a lot that happened in that Tampa Bay stint. But since then, he's been he's been to two Super Bowls. Um, you know, he he's won with the Rams. I, I think he's been to two Super Bowls because I actually he might have been to more than that because I know he was on the staff for the Falcons. So it might have been more than that. But either way, um, you know, he he has that experience. He has that playoff experience. He has that Super Bowl experience. He has the head coaching experience. And I think you know. 11 years later, 10 years later, he could put together a really good staff where he's made enough connections, especially on the offensive side of the ball, that could help groom our next, our, our young quarterback, our franchise guy, our franchise quarterback. Um, so I think those are four really good candidates. I think it's been time for Eric Bieniemy to get a head coaching job, but I think those are four very good candidates that could really lead the Colts to the next the next great thing lead us back to the promised land lead us back to winning games lead us back to making the playoffs afc championships and stuff like that so it'll be interesting to see how that goes um it'll definitely be interesting to see who we hire i've been waking up every morning hoping that i have an alert from espn or bleacher report or twitter 
or somebody texting me telling me, hey, y'all got a head coach. Y'all got a head coach. And, uh, oh, snap. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I just checked my phone. So Jim Ursay tweeted out, we said as an organization, Colts, the coaching search would be an open-minded and thorough process, and a final decision would be strictly based on what's, base, what's best for, the fran- for our franchise's success and best for our fans of Colts Nation. Final decision coming in days, not hours. So soon we should know who our next head coach is, probably hopefully by the end of the week. But, um, yeah, I've been waking up every morning, man, hoping that we have I, – I see something come across my phone that we had our next head coach. But we'll see what happens, man. You got to – what they say, patience is a virtue. So you got to sit tight and be patient. They, they're being really thorough with this. We had like 13 candidates to start off with. And now we're down to the final, you know, the final round, final countdown. So we'll see what happens. But let's take another quick music break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about this little trade that went through with the with the Dallas Mavericks and the Brooklyn Nets. All right, so we back from that quick music break, and you know, sorry if you know I've been rambling on whatever, but you know, it's been a minute since I talked to y'all, man. It's been a minute, and that's my own fault. That ain't that ain't nothing to do with y'all. That's just my own fault. But uh, anyway, let's let's talk a little bit about this this Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks, man. Um, 
so we all know, I'm not going to go into detail with all of this, but like we all know what happened with Kyrie earlier this season where he got suspended because of the the uh, the movie he posted uh, on, I believe, his Instagram story or something like that. Um, we all know about that, that, that incident that happened. Um, and, you know, recently we, we know about Kevin Durant during the offseason saying that he wanted to be traded this offseason. Um, and that he wasn't happy or whatever. We know Kyrie, Kyrie always talking about, oh, I'm staying. And the next thing you know, Kyrie's demanding a trade. And so this time, you know, Kevin Durant gets hurt. Few games goes by. Uh, they're winning some. Kyrie Irving playing out of his mind, playing amazing, out of his mind, carrying the team, back hurting and everything. Um, and then all of a sudden it came out that he wanted to be traded a few days ago. And... Brooklyn, they obliged. They they said, okay. Now, they didn't trade him to his destination. They traded because for whatever reason, um, Joe, I believe his name is Joe Sy, the owner. Uh, he was like, yeah, we're not trading you to the Lakers. <laughs> That's where you want to go? We are, we're not going to trade you. We're going to trade you to, we're going to trade you to the Dallas Mavericks. And so Dallas ended up getting Kyrie Irving, Markeith Morris. So now you get, you give, finally, you give Lucas some help. Give Luca a second ball handler, and you get him somebody who can score consistently, <laughs> night in and night out, and can give you some good buckets night in night out for real. Um, we know Kyrie, especially when Kyrie heats up, he's lights out, and even on an off night, he's still you know he's still able to do what he does. So Brooklyn ends up getting back Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a twenty twenty seven second round pick, twenty twenty nine first round pick, unprotected and a 2029 second round pick. And like I said, Dallas got Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris. I think this helps out Dallas a lot. Um I don't know if they, you know, I don't know if they make the finals with this with this squad, but I think it definitely helps them out a lot. Like I said, you get a consistent score on the other side of um of Luka Doncic. You get Markeith Morris who we know the Morris twins, they tough guys. We know we know how they roll. Um, but also Marquise Morris can get he can shoot. He can still he can shoot uh he can shoot the three ball pretty well. I believe he's let me look it up right quick, but I believe he's shooting the three ball pretty pretty good this season. I could be mistaken. Um, but let me look it up real quick. But you know, you, you have somebody in Marquise Morris who can play defense. Um, he can shoot pretty good. Yeah, he's shooting what, forty percent from the field. 40% from three this year. So, yeah, he's, he's shooting pretty good. He's shooting pretty good. So you get another you get another shooter, another ball handler and scorer. Um, I, I think this is this was a good trade for the Mavericks. But the only thing now is, is Kyrie willing to commit long-term and is Dallas willing to commit long-term to Kyrie? Because we know with Kyrie, there comes – and I'm, I'm not saying good or bad, not saying that, you know, he's out here just doing crazy stuff off the court, but – there's times where, depending on how he feels, he may not show up for work. And it's not like he's taking sick leave or annual leave or anything like that. He just may not want to play that day. He may not want to, you know, depending on what's going on with the in the world, he may put his activist cap on and decide to do something else. Um, so, you know, we we he may just decide to take a sabbatical. <laughs> that's Kyrie Irving. So that's what you get with Kyrie. And But when he's on the court, you know what you're going to get from him as well, and you're going to get somebody who's a walking bucket. Um, so now, like I said, does Dallas commit to him long term, and will Kyrie sign that extension? If it's you know 
Because at the same time, you know, pairing Kyrie with Luka, <laughs> hey, that fourth quarter closing in the fourth quarter is going to be nasty. But, you know, I think that could be a really good pair. You Maybe you add a couple more pieces. Maybe you add another piece at some point. But I think that could be a really good pairing um, long term for both of them. And now Luka doesn't feel doesn't have to feel like he has to carry the franchise, like he has to carry that t- that team night in and night out, because he has someone like Kyrie Irving beside him. Besides maybe the nights that Kyrie decides that he just like I said wants to take a sabbatical. Um, and I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying these are these are facts that we know about Kyrie. Like these are things that we know about Kyrie. Um, but I, I can guarantee you, if Kyrie comes out and says that he wants to be in Dallas long term. <laughs> I I wouldn't necessarily believe it. He said it with Boston. He said that he wanted to stay with with the with the Nets. Um, he was happy there. And next thing you know, he's demanding a trade. So um, yeah, if he says that, then I would I would have some cause for concern. But essentially, as of right now, this seems like a rental for the Dallas Mavericks until we see a contract signed for him to stay with them long term. But this seems like a rental and someone that may test free agency in the off season when that comes. So we'll see what happens, but I'm happy for Kyrie. I mean, I'm happy he made the, the all-star game, happy that he got out of the situation that he didn't want to be in. And now he's on a team. I'm definitely happy for Luca. Uh, and also Kyrie's out of the East. So my Miami heat really ain't got to worry about him no more besides when we play Dallas or we have to meet them in the finals. <laughs> so if we make it there, but uh, yeah, so that's a good thing for me. But I think I think Brooklyn received, you know, a pretty good haul for, for Kyrie and Markeith Morris. And also that could turn into something else. I know they're they're after Fred um, up there in Toronto. They're trying to get him. So we'll see what happens with that. But I think they got a I think they got a nice haul in for, for Kyrie. I don't think I really don't think that Brooklyn got shitted on for this trade. Like I really don't. I think Dallas gave up what they needed and it was easier to get rid of Kyrie to deal Kyrie than to keep him. Now, as far as with the Lakers, a lot of us thought that the Lakers were going to be the team that Kyrie goes to. And I don't know if they could have offered a better package than Brooklyn, but I do know that Russell Westbrook was included in that that package. Um, But I don't know if the package was better than Brooklyn's. But I think, like I said, I think both teams got what they needed and got what they wanted. And I don't think the trade was bad. (laughs) I really don't. Um, But, yeah, man, that's, that's all I have for you all. You know, today, this week, uh, I will be back after the Super Bowl. We'll talk about that a little bit um, and heading into the offseason with what moves the Colts need to make, especially if we have our head coaching hired by then or our head coach hired by then and maybe some more of the staff. And shout out to Frank Wright, man. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad the Colts fired him, but I'm glad he got another shot somewhere else with the Carolina Panthers, especially a team that he's able to get his quarterback. He got his defense coordinator in Evero who was also one of the Colts head coaching candidates. So I don't know what's going on with that. But, you know, shout out to him. Shout out to to Steve Wilkes. He just got hired as the 49ers defensive uh, coordinator. So, you know, shout out to them. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, that's all I have for you all. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. Hope you all have a good rest of your week. And until next time, y'all be easy. Peace.